Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied unto you from our Lord and from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text chosen for our meditation this morning is our epistle lessons from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 to 18. In the name of our coming King, dear Christian friends, could anyone use some words of encouragement this morning? I mean, after all, when someone comforts you or gives you confidence and support, even a glimmer of hope, one's day, attitude, and outlook on life can possibly change in matter of seconds. I'll never forget the uplifting display my high school basketball coach gave me during my four years that I attended there. You see, a little history. I was over six feet tall when I was in the eighth grade, and I had kind of a little bit of an attitude. During my freshman year, I grew taller And I was having that growing spurt, and I got rather clumsy, to say the least. Have you ever seen a basketball player trip over the free throw line? Or, you know, I couldn't walk and chew gum at the same time. Well, each year, he was patient with me and worked with me, even though I didn't appreciate the extra work that he uh, had me do. But it really paid off in the end, especially when I got to play college ball. His encouragement meant a lot to me. The influence that he had on me went beyond basketball or other sports that I was in, but also it included life as well. And look, you know, I still remember those events at high school and in my mind as if it happened yesterday because of the encouragement he gave me. Not only encouragement, but confidence. Well, St. Paul really had some words of encouragement when, uh, that only could give comfort and, and give confidence and everlasting hope. And those words deal with the coming of the Lord and the sequence of the events concerning the bodily resurrection of believers. You see, some of the Thessalonian Christians were deeply concerned that the believers who died before Christ's second coming would somehow be forgotten or lose out. And certainly that was not the case. You see, as Paul teaches these readers the verses before our text concerning that sanctified life, as he dealt with the sexual matters and the Christian love and living, now he continues to address them on this troubling matter, not wanting them to remain uninformed or ignorant of the facts. We know it's hard enough for us Christians to say our earthly goodbyes to people that we really love, right? And so you can imagine these Thessalonian Christians who thought their loved ones who died, who were also believers, 
would miss out on Jesus' glorious return. Not being with the angels and the archangels and with the whole company of heaven. Well, St. Paul gives to them a detailed information so that they don't grieve like the pagan world or those who are without Christ, living the hope of the resurrection and everlasting life, or I should say without that. It's sad to say so many of us in this very day are still uninformed of the encouragement that St. Paul was offering 2,000 years ago. In fact, looking back in my pastoral ministry, I've had the opportunity to answer countless questions, not only concerning the events of Christ's return, but also dealing with our own resurrection. Even though weekly in our, we confess our Christian faith in the creed, and I look for the resurrection of the dead, we say, in the Nicene Creed. Or the resurrection of the body, as we say, in the Apostles' Creed. So before Paul listed the detailed evidence of what will happen when Christ returns, he not only reminds his readers, including you and me this morning, but also taught those life-giving importance of Christ's death and resurrection. What was that all about? Why did Christ have to come and die and then rise again? Hence he wrote in our text, for since we believe that Christ died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring him and those who have fallen asleep. You see, before God could raise us to a life in heaven, Christ had to die and rise again. Without, for without his bodily resurrection, there would be no hope. It would just be dust and ash would be our future. And death would be that final outcome for our souls and our bodies do because of our sinfulness. And this then is precisely what God teaches us in first through the word. The scriptures clearly, clearly teach that Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. And he appeared to his disciples. Luke writes, God raised him from the dead on the third day and made him appear not to all people, but to us who have been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and who drank with him after he rose from the dead. And if we look in Acts, he says, he presented himself alive to them after the suffering by many proofs, appearing before them during the 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And if we look in 1 Corinthians, we see that 500 people at once saw him alive. And because of Jesus' resurrection, we now have a comforting testimony for our own futures. First of all, Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Son of God, as Paul declared. He was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by this resurrection from the dead and by Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Secondly, his teaching is true. As John wrote, Jesus answered, for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I came into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Our text, our our next comforting testimony is the fact that our Heavenly Father accepted Christ's sacrifice for the reconciliation of the world when he did that on the cross. As Paul declares, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. And finally, this comfort it is to know that all who believe in Jesus Christ will rise to eternal life. That means you and me. It was much like he said to Martha at the grave of Lazarus. He said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And he said to his apostles, because I live, you will live also. And then he adds, for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ, the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. And yet, the comfort that Jesus reveals, brings, brings and gives, doesn't just stop there, but it continues. Yes, there's an order of events when our Lord returns, and our text takes that and makes that clear. Those who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those people who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And those in and those that are dead in Christ will rise first. Then those people who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. You know, in one of Martin Luther's sermons, he wrote about the future that Paul describes. Luther wrote that Paul foretells the future events as as sure and certain as if it were in the past. Paul, according to Martin Luther, describes the life with God in eternity as a beautiful eternal summer that cannot be compared to the winter of death and pain and sin. And so what encouraging words, yes, words of hope, words of history, if you will, and the words of everlasting life that we who believe in Jesus' death and resurrection will always be with the Lord. Just think of that. When our living Lord returns, when he comes to us once again with that cry of command, 
with that voice of the archangel and with the sound of the trumpet, it will be such a joyous event. A joyous event, what we in the church have been praying for and singing throughout the years in our liturgy. Thy kingdom come. That with all the company of the redeemed, we will finally enter with the, enter the eternal wedding feast. Glory be to God on high. With the angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven. And holy, holy, holy Lord God of Sabaoth will finally be you and me. And we will see that in full reality. Jesus, St. Paul encourages us in our text, we will always be with the Lord. Our souls and our resurrected bodies will no more be of sin, of death, or the power of Satan. Yes, indeed, we will never, ever be separated from our Lord again. And that's why St. Paul not only told his original readers to encourage each other with these words. But through God, the Holy Spirit, he also had you and me this morning in mind when he penned those very same words. Christ will not delay. He will come swiftly to bring us to heaven to himself. So do you know anyone who can use these words of encouragement I gave you this morning? Could it be your spouse, your children, other family members, or friends? Could it be your neighbor, your coworker, or even, get this, a stranger in Castleberry? Then again, the Lord brought you here today for a reason too, didn't he? Therefore, thanks be to God that by his grace, he enabled, we are enabled to know and to confess and to proclaim to others. That's what we're all about. The outcome of those who sleep and live in Jesus. We will always be with the Lord. Those are definitely words of encouragement. Words also of confidence, of hope, of joy. Yes, words of eternal life because of Jesus' death and his resurrection. All glory be to God, and so it shall be. Amen.